0: Welcome to the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, sales management professional, Bo Stevens. what you drinking. I'm sure that the memories of doing this with your family, that gets tied into things. I see just a whole lot of connections to Basketball, which you and I came up with. That's the foundation of everything. You know, I I, I am fond of saying that I played just enough in college to be able to tell lies today. Right. Yeah. So,
1: (laughs) Gayla, you are a tough, let's talk about basketball. You are a tough, for people that listen to you, and you are so professional and so well spoken. You are a tough, I'm going to describe you. Here's how I remember you tough gritty physical basketball player you were gritty man you you boxed out you would do the dirty work you were grabbing rebounds you were a
0: defender you had a nice mid-range game you were tough okay so now 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 that you got me got me cheesing here i'm gonna talk a little bit about your game because I think in those early years, we probably, as you were saying, we hit every open gym. If there was an open window in a gym, uh, we didn't have cell phones back then. But if we did, boy, game over, game over. Because, yeah, I tried to hold down the paint, but anything outside around that arc, you were just you were just almost automatic, man. And you would leave that hand up there. I uh, have uh, got a little mentee that I talk to from time to time and we've connected uh, over basketball and I've sent you some some pictures and some video. Yes. And one of the things I tell him is you got to uh, follow through and you got to leave it up there for the photo finish, right? Because, <laughs> you know, the girls might be slow with the photo. You got to give them an opportunity to take Holy a picture,
1: yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, people can pick up on it. You You're a humble, tough guy. I might have had a little more uh, flash you know, I I floating out there, launching bombs. And unfortunately for my basketball career, there was not, we're so old, there was not a three point line. Oh my gosh. I think and about maybe that. that's a blessing because I would have not crossed that line.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's no need. It's worth three out here. What are we doing? What are we doing? You know, I, sure. I'll tell you one. one of the, uh, we've connected on basketball stories and you know, one of the stories literally that i I talked to someone today about, you know, you and I also connected over our dads and how how important our dads were uh, in the foundation uh, of uh, of our lives and understanding life. And one of the things that my dad said to me specifically about basketball, is he said, you know, Galen, you look across the court, you look into the eyes of the player that you garden, and you know in your heart of hearts whether or not they're better than you. And if you decide that they're better than you, you've got two choices to make. You can either play straight up basketball and you've already determined they're gonna beat you if you play straight up basketball, or you can find some other way to win but you got to make that choice, and that has become such a mantra for me that there is a way to beat anyone. But sometimes you can't beat them playing straight up basketball. You've got to find other things, right? Uh, what are some What are some sports stories? Some sports analogies that seem to have become part of who you are, and they come out pretty frequently, either with your kids or with or at work.
1: Well, th- that's a that's a humbling statement because th- that makes me think that when you look when we played one on one over the church gym, when you looked across at me, I'm pretty sure you thought I got this guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but what I did determine, I looked I looked into your eyes and I decided, okay, I can't guard this guy outside the paint. And just that's just not going to happen. I gotta find some other way. I gotta somehow because there was no stopping this jump shot. From as far out as he shoots. What are some stories or some phrases or some analogies that seem to, seem to have stuck with you? Uh,
1: I enjoy listening to coaches, you know, and then I, there's, there's a business coaching crossover. One of the best I heard, of course, a lot of people probably heard is Lou Holtz, you know, and one of the things that stuck with me, and I utilize this specifically in evaluating other people, I've been in positions to hire people. And I struggle with that a little bit because I like people. I don't have a critical. I, I've been blessed not I've considered that a blessing not to look at people critically. It's like I can find something to like about a lot of people. Now, does that mean we should hire them? Maybe not, right? So I had to <laughs> really work at, at at that. And one of the things Lou Holtz he he made an evaluation I guess in recruiting and he had three things. It was and it was simple like we talked about earlier. He said Do they care? Are they committed? And can I trust them? And so that was something pretty simple. I could, when making decisions, I I would that would pop up, and I would think, okay, let me look through these qualifications and what I thought about them personally. And am I asking these questions to uncover that? And that was a big thing for me that I could apply. You know, And and it's very simple. It's intuitive. It's but until you articulate it, sometimes we lose sight of that. You know, we're looking at past performances and different things and they have to fit in this, but then maybe somebody else in that group of candidates sticks out and they're like, wow, they got a little something extra that I like. Is it one of these three qualities or do they have all three of these qualities and that's what I'm drawn to? That, that was, it's not really a sports analogy, but that's Lou Holtz. He was, he was the ultimate underdog and achieved his goals, you know, set goals and achieved them.
0: Man, I tell you, I mean, that I love the way that that simplifies the process. And I think it ties into what you said earlier about coaching, specifically coaching young kids. It's really about can you simplify? Can you break down what you're trying to do into chunks to where they can understand and execute what you're trying to do? and i've I've seen so many coaches, particularly for young for young kids. They're coaching maybe twelve, thirteen year olds and they're just so sophisticated, uh, you know, God bless them, but they're trying to get people to run the fast break. And I'm like, well, if you didn't break this down in, in practice, it's too late to introduce it in the game. Now is not the time.
1: Yep. There's a lot of, cor- lot of correlations uh, to business, you know, communicating concepts and creating a culture and, and team. And, and And it's hard. That's hard. You know, it's hard with your personalities. I mean, you know, one of the things is if if I put my list down of leadership and the best leaders, and I'll be honest, I like being around bright people and stealing their ideas. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say I've had an original thought. I love I love stealing things from other people and mixing that in my pot. But you know, the best leaders I've worked for, now that I'm older, they were very, very good listeners. And many times we think leaders are supposed to talk. The great leaders that are authentic and comfortable with themselves, listen to people around them, they assess the culture, the mood, the attitude, then they do their thing, right? Which is what maybe you're gifted at or you've worked at, you've honed your skills, but you have to be in touch with those people around you. And I mean, that's one of the things I learned. I used to think leaders had a great message and I'm like, wow, some of the best, most effective people I've worked for? Listened a lot, and, you know. And I had a couple that a couple of times they would ask me a question and I would answer. And I almost was a little intimidated by how astutely they were listening. You know, I've, I've learned from that.
0: Let's talk a little bit about mentors because you know I, I've got this. I've got this concept that I I stole from Napoleon Hill, and he talked about his invisible board of directors. And these are people either living or dead that you think about when you have to when you have to make a tough decision or you have to be creative or whatever the case is. And I relate that back to sports very easily because there are things that Galen Bingham just can't do, right? Galen Bingham is just not capable of doing this thing. But if I take on the persona of Julius Irving, well, Julius Irving can do almost anything he wanted to, right? Yeah. And so it's that support. It's that mental imaging that you get from thinking about mentors and people that have done it at a high level. Who are some of the mentors that you think about from a career or from a business standpoint or just from a life standpoint?
1: Yeah. Early on in my sales days, I worked under some gentlemen that were fantastic. And what they did, I I guess I, I couldn't ask other people to do. And what we've talked about is they genuinely cared about me and my success. And even now, unless I'm naive, you can't fake that. They cared about. They would call, and check on me. I didn't feel like it was, "Hey, who'd you call on? Where'd you go today?" They, it wasn't that. Hey, Bo, how you how you doing? What's going on? It was a personal way that they could communicate, and I was spoiled because the first seven or eight years of my career, I thought that's just how it was, right? I think that's how it is. That's who you work with, people like that. And then later on, I realized, wow, not everybody really cares about me that deeply or is invested in me like these guys. And then I had to mature and grow up and say, oh, okay. And so I would pick and choose, but I had some mentors that were interested in me. A guy named Bill Easley out of Oklahoma was I just felt like he took me under his wing, you know? It would allow me to fail a little bit. We had some circumstances where I'd make a mistake and I would think, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. I can't believe I did that. And he would just kind of laugh and go, yeah, you really screwed that up, didn't you? (laughs) And I was like, oh no, this is, and then he would, so he made it okay by saying things like that and laughing at me with me, then we would move forward. And so that was great mentorship and I developed, you know, into my work persona and I exhibit that to this day. I don't know. That's just what I learned, you know, how to treat people that we work with or you're responsible for. We need each other. I need, you know, and I had to mature to go. I need these people to succeed at work. So I'm invested in them. I'm trying to give them all I can. I pray for them to help me along with that. I mean, that's next level stuff. And I think it's important, but I don't know how you coach somebody to do that. You know, mm-hmm. you exhibit it, just like you exhibit leadership in your life, Galen, you know, you just do it. There's leaderships in all areas of life. Yeah. But I sorry, that. I went I went, I went, kind of sideways there, but you ask about mentors. Though, when you say that, that's who I think about.
0: And, and I love the way you're bringing in this element of team and how crazy it would be to feel like well I'm the star of the basketball team uh just give me the ball and get out of the way well yeah you you might get a few great plays but you need four other dudes <laughs> there's no way even if you're my, you know even thinking about Michael Jordan in his early days where uh his first few years in the league he was he was trying to be the superhero, right? He was the star and he was trying to do everything himself. And he won a few games, he won a few scoring titles, but he never won a championship. It wasn't until there was not only a team around him, but he started to trust the team around him, that they started to become the dynasty that we all talk about with a lot of uh, fish story-like tales now. That's
1: exactly right. Yeah, but, but no, big- nobody talks about how many points Jordan averaged. There's no doubt. You and I are Jordan era guys that we grew up yeah. in. That that was. And, and there's no doubt he could have put up more numbers. I, I mean, when you think about it, right? It just kind of hit me like he could have quote had more individual success, maybe, but not now because he some to some degree was hard on his teammates because he knew he had to have them, and that's what's chronicled in the documentaries, but that's what he was trying to do, right? whatever his motivation was, he was pushing his team became pushing his teammates, not just I'm trying to get my forward. he was pushing his teammates, and that's a yeah, that's an interesting analogy for sure you,
0: you know that that's interesting. i mean you you bring in an element that I don't know that I've ever talked about, and that is this willingness to to play a team sport and I'm talking about relative to work, mm-hmm. but this willingness to play a team sport, but then in that there's this love to push your teammates to be better, to be stronger, uh, you know, to make the sales calls or to you know be on time. And that might be analogous, maybe not to the same degree of, of how tough Jordan was on his teammates, but how do you mix that combination between loving and needing your team but yet challenging them to be better than, than, than maybe they even know that they can be.
1: I mean, that's a difficult one, right? I mean, how how do you hold, you know, the the corporate world, we hold you accountable and we talk about accountability, but really fleshing that out and playing that takes some people skills, you know, Mm. because, you know, accountability the concept of accountability works both ways. We're going to hold each other accountable. So I, I, corporate America says we're going to hold our employees accountable. We're going to, you know, a director of sales comes in. We're, we're about accountability. And so what he's saying, and I've been in this situation, what he's saying is we want you to deliver. We're going to hold you accountable to your job. And then when there are back orders and mistakes are made, you know, I want to hold my hand up and go, hey, can we start that account? Accountability now, you know, that works. I'm holding you accountable. I got you your orders. Now you deliver, right? That's probably, that, that could be a career authoring conversation if you don't handle it appropriately going up the ladder. But that's where sometimes I become cynical. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. He, what he's talking about is holding me accountable. We're going to go through this and I'm going to watch very closely to these leaders and, and, and folks you have on your show that do it really well right? The troops, this is a different perspective. This is somebody looking up the ladder knowing that accountability works both ways. You need to deliver too. And if you don't, then you lose credibility. People spend millions, you know, millions and to get that credibility to build that team. And so to those leaders out there listening, take a deep breath and think about that because I do. I'm like, well, I got to be careful with this accountability word. Because if I'm going to throw this out there, I better be I better be open to someone calling me out. I better I be humble that. enough to take that. Hey, I, Bo, you know, this works both ways.
0: I, I love that. I love that. And, and I think you're right. I think a lot of times, particularly young leaders, they only see accountability as a one-way conversation. And w- one of my mentors, Mr. Joe Cavalier... One of the first conversations, one of the earliest conversations I, I remember him having with me when we were both at Kraft, it's like I, I was getting ready to go into this big meeting with some senior executives from Kraft, more senior than, uh, than obviously than me and more senior than him. And so he was giving me some advice of, of how to handle different situations. But then at the end, right before we left, he said, and don't forget for a moment that you're being evaluated. Don't forget for a moment, don't get lulled into thinking that this is about something other than you being evaluated. And that has always stuck with me. And back to your point, that really cemented for me that this guy really does care about me. He cares about my success. And that created the space for him to give me some tough some tough feedback when he needed to, for him to come down on me hard when he needed to, when the, when the situation warranted it, because he created that space. And so I think I think you're absolutely right, man, that leaders need to recognize that that accountability goes both ways. And that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, but that no. does mean that you have to own your stuff.
1: <laughs> you no, and I had, stuff. I, t- I had to learn through some mistakes and errors in the in the management roles of building relation, honest relationships. And while you know I'm strong on being authentic, and I'm I feel very strongly like be who you're gonna be. Don't please don't fake it, right? But but while I'm thinking about being authentic, I need to build that relationship so that I can have a difficult conversation if need be, and we can survive that difficult conversation. It usually takes a couple of days to get over on either part of one party or the other if it's an uncomfortable conversation. But can we survive that without, you know, creating attitudes and and issues? But, you, you know, and and that that's where that comes in. If you build those authentic relationships, then you can have that difficult conversation. And, and I'll be very honest early on in my career. Sometimes I shied away from those difficult conversations because you could tell by talking to me, man, I'd really rather just hang out and have fun. I'd really rather just talk, you know, and let's have fun. Let's get after this. Let's have, you know, let's, we got to be here. Let's enjoy each other. But it was hard for me to grow up into that. Hey, we need to have a conversation and we got to talk about some things we need to improve. And it's A, B, C, and D. And that that has been hard for me to develop. I have to dig a little deeper to do that, you know. And some of your really good
0: leaders you have on the show, it's almost intuitive for them. So, So we all have strengths and weaknesses. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, man, um, now that I got you on this podcast, uh, it's my opportunity to validate some of the fish tales that I've been telling about basketball in the era that we came up with uh came up in. So I'm going to okay. share some names. I'm going to reference some names that that people may know, they may have heard of, and I want to get your reaction because they are people that we have played with and played against. All right? Okay. So w- one name I'm going to toss out is uh Mr. Stacy King. You remember him too? <laughs> Oh my gosh. That
1: was that was a nightmare, Stacey King. Well, the first thing that needs to come out is so Stacy King, I'm it was 6'10, I think, listed, super tall, could run, very athletic and jump. I would tell Stacy if he was standing in front of me respectfully. He was not very good in high school. However, I did get past him and late and went for a little layup, and I think he sent it somewhere. <laughs> Off the scoreboard or the back wall or some the ball. And when he blocked it, I, he may have deflated the ball. He, I think or, they're uh, still
0: looking for that ball, man. I they're think they're still, still looking,
1: looking for it. They're still looking for it, <laughs> But so Stacy King ended. He put us out of the tournament. He ended it for us. And then I remember just thinking, man, he's tall. But he, did, he didn't impress me. And then one year later, he was at the University of Oklahoma. And was amazing. Like the transformation was, I tell that story because I'm like, wow, they took somebody raw, gave Mm -hmm. them some
0: moves and was a great college player and really good on the Bulls. And now he's a he's forever a national NBA championship. He's got rings, dude. The rings, man. What we got, Galen? We, we got we got stories. We got stories.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you sucked, okay, in, high I, you sucked in high believe, school. You sucked in high <laughs> school. I can't believe you brought up Stacey King. Okay, that's all.
0: Uh, all right, so I got another I got another name to drop on you, man. I, I don't we we didn't play this guy a whole lot, but Brent Price. Oh my goodness.
1: So Brent Price. So there was Mark Price, that was the NBA perennial All-Star. That was amazing. I played pick ball with him at o- Oklahoma State one, one summer. He showed up at the gym wow. and was like I was like, "Oh, okay. That's why he's Mark this Price." This is the I'm difference. Not. Yeah, I was like, "Okay, yeah. I couldn't. Okay, I got it." Yeah, his shot. Yeah, was amazing. his Brent, his
0: little his little brother, Brent Price, I think ultimately played at he went to OU and then he he had a career in the nba uh i think he played for the bulls for a little bit not obviously not good. as storied as he was good not as storied as uh as mark price but he's on my he's on my wall i got stories
1: yeah i'm glad you brought that and thought about him but yes he was good really good
0: and then and then uh i don't know if you remember we played against spencer tillman who was a football player Ultimately playing for uh, the uh, Oklahoma mm-hmm. Sooners. And then he went on and he played great career, I believe with uh, the Denver Broncos, but I'm not really sure. Do you remember where he played high school ball? He was at Enid. It was he okay. and, and Brent Price together. That's why it was just a nightmare. It was just a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and then one last, one last, this this name is probably not as famous uh, to anyone outside of our little our little crew, uh, but we were talking about Steve Kennedy. Absolutely, Steve Kennedy was a sharpshooter, you know. And we had to play twice
1: a year, however many times. Then we would meet him in a tournament. Steve Kennedy was good. And did you play with Steve Kennedy? In I, I ended up. Him?
0: I ended up. I ended up playing with Steve Kennedy in college, but and and he was just amazing. But we talked about his game. Reminded me. Of this kid that I used to play ball with, pick up all the time, Bo Stevens. <laughs> yeah. His game Except reminded he was a little
1: me. Better. <laughs> he was a little better, a little taller, a little more athletic, but I appreciate that, Galen. You're too nice. You know, there also was, remember Chu Kennedy? Oh, Chew Kennedy. He went to OU. We played them in Tulsa, I think. Didn't we play him? Yeah,
0: we sure did. Yeah, he we was sure tough. Did. Well, man, I'll tell you, this has been an incredible trip down memory lane. I just really appreciate not only what uh, our relationship has become, but I, I appreciate the foundation that uh, our relationship sits on. It, you know, it's one of those things where you honored me by saying that I, I haven't changed, but you you have not changed one bit. I mean, just the, the personality, the love for people, uh, the willingness to take on almost any challenge that's in front of you, uh, and still maintaining the great personality. I just really appreciate you being one of those dudes that I can pick up the phone and call when things are getting crazy. So I just, I Good appreciate and you. Man.
1: As well, you, Galen. Yeah, you, you've been great for me. I know I can pick up the phone and call you. And so uh, my resume says, uh, you know, t- I'm top of the class in the school of hard knocks. That's what my resume says. <laughs>
0: Well, that well, that works, man. Well, hey, man, if you've got a few more minutes, I'd love to pull you into the VIP room. So let, let's cheers for this conversation. This is all I'm willing to share with folks for free, because I mean, this is pretty good for free. But we need to we need to pull a little something extra special for my VIP. So, uh, man, cheers. I appreciate it. Keep shooting, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, Galen. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers.